chapter 4, and we're going to be in verse 43. Okay, let's take a look. And you know what? Let's go backwards a little bit, just so we... Because I don't know if anybody remembers what happened a couple of weeks ago, right? You probably don't remember what happened a couple of days ago. So, uh... So last time we were studying right through this, really in verse 39, let's see if this brings anything to memory. It says, many of the Samaritans, does that word sound familiar? Remember anything about that, right? It's kind of like the half-breed they didn't like, you know, and uh, there was a woman there and Jesus was talking with her. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him, right, believed in Jesus because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. That was their testimony, Right? Wow, not real impressive, you know? But that's it. But man, God, God, God had a hold of her. Like, the way she delivered it, there's probably no denying it. Like, wow. She's been with Jesus. That's evident. Verse 40, So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. It's awesome, right? Started with her and her story, man, and just went to the town. Verse 42, they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. Oh, boom, right? That's awesome. When that awakening happens with a group of people, with a town, with one person, it's incredible. But with a town, it's like, wow, he is the Savior of the world. Like, he really is God's son. My love and my value is found like in him. I found who I've been created for. I'm not going to waste time with other stuff. I know it's true now and I'm going after it. (laughs) That changes an entire life. And it's just so much more than church attendance, right? Oh man, it's awesome. So let's see what happens. Verse 43. The title of the message is Eyes to See, so you can see where we're going here. And no, that's like nobody's eye. It was just on the PowerPoint slide, so I don't know who it is. All right, here we go. So after the two days, okay, so he was two days in Samaria. I wasn't planning on it, but that's what it turned into. After the two days, he left for Galilee. Now, Jesus himself had pointed out that a prophet has no honor in his own country, something that he mentioned about before. And so he's going to Galilee, and uh, Galilee is actually known, I wrote this term down, Galil Hagoyim. Everybody say it, Galil Hagoyim. Now we got to get like a ha. Galil Hag. Yeah. Galil Hagoyim, right? Galilee of the Gentiles. That, that's like why they would call it that. So it's Ah, pretty good. Not too bad. Not too bad. Galil Hagoyim. Galilee of the Gentiles. So he's like, well, you know, uh, I could go to my hometown and go to my home place, but there's not much honor there, and so I'm not going back there. And so what he ends up doing is he goes to Galilee where all the Gentiles are because they want to hear. They're hungry for it. They're interested. So that's where he's going. Verse 45. When he arrived in Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him. They had said... 
They had seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, for they also had been there. Well, what happened at the Passover feast? Well, chapter 2, verse 23, you don't have to turn there. Now, while he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many people saw the miraculous signs he was doing and believed in his name. So last time he was there, man, he made quite an impact. And that was after he like went into the temple and the thing was like a marketplace, and it was supposed to be a place of prayer and a place that honored God and Jesus and who he was, and they just turned it into just a money-making thing. The American church knows nothing about that, right? So, that's right. So, he was there before, and they're like, yes, we remember you. How could we forget? Verse 46. Once more, he visited Cana in Galilee. Remember that place? where he turned the water into wine. His first public miracle. It says, And there was a certain royal official whose, official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. When this, and that's in that area of Galilee. When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son, who was close to death. Now this royal official... I don't really know anything really about him. Not real sure. We don't know if, if he's a Jew. We don't know if he's um, a Gentile. Uh, we don't even really know why he's there. We know that he's like a royal official of some kind, and I don't know like what position he holds. Bible doesn't really say anything about that. There's a couple other stories like this in the Bible, but they're not the same story. This is a different and unique one. Um, so let's see what he says. In verse 48, Jesus answers him with this, right? So he's got his son who's sick. And he says, Jesus is coming to town. I got to go see him. Verse 48, unless you people see miraculous signs and wonders, Jesus told him, you will never believe. The royal official said, sir, come down before my child dies. He's not giving up, right? You wouldn't give up, right? You're face to face with Jesus. And you're like at your wit's end in total desperation? You're not giving up. Verse 50, Jesus replied, you may go. Your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. While he was still on the way, his servants met him with the news that his boy was living. When he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, the fever left him yesterday... At about the seventh hour. It's about seven. Seven p.m. Then the father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, Your son will live. So he and all his household believed. This was the second miraculous sign that Jesus performed, having come from Judea to Galilee. So interesting things, right? So you have this official, right, who's there in, like, Galilee in that area there, and his son is where? Where's his son? Capernaum, right? So that's, like, 20, 25 miles away, something like that. So it's, like, a significant distance. And so this guy hears that Jesus is coming to town, and he knows his son isn't really doing good, and um, he says, hey, you know, you got to come see him. And Jesus' response is very interesting, right? What does Jesus say? 
Yeah, unless you guys see signs and wonders, then you guys just aren't going to believe. And I don't think he's coming harshly on the guy and being insensitive. Um, But I think he's really painting a picture of a reality, which we're going to talk about in a minute. And then after that, Jesus, boom, just says the word, right? The man believes him. He just believes him at his word. Jesus said, he's well. And then the guy heads back home. And he doesn't really get back home until the next day, right? Because when he gets there, he asks the servants, and they're like, well, you know, when did this happen? And they're like, well, about the seventh hour, you know, yesterday. So it's interesting. He didn't, like, if Jesus, if we approached Jesus and he just told us that, I don't know about you, but I'd be, like, sprinting 20, 25 miles home. Like, did this thing really happen? Is this, really? We just said it, and just, that's it? He's been sick for a while. He's been suffering. It's been difficult. Our family's been struggling. And you're just telling me right now, you just said, be well, and that's, or this is it. We're done? I'd be running home. Maybe I'm the only weirdo, but I'd be running home. <laughs> but he saw it fit. 20, 25, it's, it's a long, long ways. It's like, ah, I'm going to stay over somewhere, you know, and I'll get home kind of when I get home. There doesn't seem to be a huge sense of urgency there, which is interesting, which probably speaks of a faith that really actually believed when Jesus said it. Something that, of course, like we should possess, where we should be headed, Right? And then when he got there, him and the whole household believed, right? And it says this is the second miraculous sign that Jesus performed, having come from Judea to Galilee. And then next week, as we get into chapter 5, we're going to see like there's some more healing things going on. Um, but I wanted to kind of center upon like what Jesus said, because it seems weird, right? It seems like a weird response. It doesn't seem very sensitive. It doesn't seem very compassionate, right? So let's look again at what he said. Verse 48. Unless you people see miraculous signs and wonders, Jesus told him, you will never believe. And I look at that statement, and the phrase that came to my mind when I was looking at it was this phrase right here. Seeing is not believing. When it comes to the Christian faith, seeing is not believing. And he could also say it the other way. Believing is not seeing. Right? It both works, right? With the life of faith. Now here's the struggle, right, for us. The big time struggle for us is that many of us become sensual Christians. I don't mean like sexually sensual. I mean sensual like with senses. Like where we can taste or feel or sense or have the goosebumps or have something like happen to us, you know, that's like a significant thing, which it is. But that shouldn't be the cornerstone and the foundation of the faith. Right? Right? Because it's pretty amazing. We've been blessed like the human Body and its capabilities, it sets us apart from the animal kingdom completely. Like, we have the ability to, you know, to reason and take information in and have complicated, abstract thoughts and logical reasoning that comes out of that. 
we have just a myriad of emotions right within us. And God has given us language like to express that, you know? Some people don't really know like three words, you know, angry, mad, happy, like, you know. But there's like a lot more than that. And when we become more skilled in understanding what those words are, it gives us a better ability to communicate with those around us and identify what's going on in our bodies. Like, it's an amazing, complicated thing, right, we have going on in here. Um, but sometimes those things can be misplaced. And we can even start to judge and interpret our relationship with Christ based on those feelings and, and, and those things that we have been given. Right? We're called to worship God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength, which is very true. But our feelings and what happens and what we sense, they're indicators of things that are happening, but they shouldn't be dictators. Isn't that true? They should be indicators of things that are going on in our life. And so, like, if we get mad or angry at something that happens, it should be an indicator of, okay, something's going on I dislike, I'm not happy about. What exactly is it? What brought me to that place? Why is this happening? I'm going to probably respond this way, like, should I or should I not? Right? Like, we're supposed to, the Christians should be going through those kind of mental checks and explanations. Right? This is a place that we should be. Or I'm feeling sad. I'm not feeling good about myself. feeling kind of frustrated and down and out. Well, why am I? Like, What's going on there? What's happening? They could be indicators of things that are happening around. Well, shoot, my friend is sick right now. Like, I'm just sad for them. It seems like, it, the, you know, the hits never stop coming for them. You know, I'm just... So it's an indicator of thing that's happening. We shouldn't just ignore them. But then they shouldn't dictate, like, where we go next. And then, the key part, what we believe. What we believe. Like, it's not only just a good church service or a good quiet time with God if we felt the goosebumps or if we were crying or something just dramatic takes place. Those are good times. But some people, they will, like, flock to the next thing that's happening. Oh, man, people are just doing wild stuff over there, and then they just whew, go check that thing out for a while soak that in and just consume it. Oh, some new wave of the Spirit's coming, going over there. And they head on over to the next one. And like, whoa, wow, they're doing things over. And then they head on over to the next one. And then before you know it, like they're bouncing from like high to high. Right? No bueno. Right? That is not good. Right? We're called to be in relationship. So then the relationship is boiled down to just an experience, and that's it. What happens when the experiences go? No good. Then they're probably feeling down and out. They're not quite sure who God is. And then they're questioning it. And then it's like, well, I don't even know if he's real. And then what's going on here? And then what sin did I do? And all this crazy stuff starts coming. No bueno. Right? We are called to live by faith. The other stuff will just come. We are just called to be in relationship with him. Spend time with him, understanding his heart. Where is he at? What is he doing? Right? These are things we're called to do, and sometimes some experiences might come along with it. And when they do, man, it's awesome. It's awesome. It's a real blessing. Because he's just showering us with stuff. 
And he's just confirming like the good that he's doing. But man, it's so difficult sometimes to get past what we see and what we think and what we feel. Really difficult. And Jesus is making that point. He's like, man, unless you guys see something, like you're not even going to believe. Man, I really hope that that's not something we, that could be said about us. Wouldn't it be sad if we were Christians and like, man, we were just looking for that miracle to happen, for that healing to happen, for that thing to happen, and if it didn't happen, I'm not really going to believe. That's sad. That's sad. And it's not right. And it's not what God asked us us to do. As far as the Christian is concerned, man, it's deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. I'm doing a work in you. I'm transforming you. I've made you for more. I want to show you it. Walk with me. Be with me. Do you see any place in there for like, God, I need to see this, and if not, you know, where we put him to a test. Not much in there about that. You know, but like it does say in the Bible, in the Old Testament, that there's something called fleecing. You know, where a guy named Gideon, he fleeced God. He wasn't sure really what to do, and so he tested him, and he put a fleece out, and, you know, he asked God for an answer, and, um, you know, it's like, God, if there's dew on this in the morning, uh, then, you know, I can listen to you, and then if there's not, it was this whole thing where he's just testing God. That's what happened. I'm not saying that should be the whole basis of our Christian life. Where we just constantly put him in a box and we just test him. And if you don't show up in this moment, God, forget about it. I think God definitely understands that there are times when we just come before him and we're just like, Lord, oh man, I just need a word from you. I just need to know that you're there right now. God, just speak to my heart. He's like, yeah, okay. You know, I don't think it's wrong or sinful to ask for that. But to have that always be the prayer forever in the Christian faith and, ha- and that just be the relationship, that would be wrong, right? That would not be good. That would not be a good thing. Because hopefully we can stand strong and be in the middle of it, and we're talking about sickness, even when we pray for the healing, for the sickness to be gone, and it doesn't happen. Who knows that that stuff happens? Right? When we pray and venture out and take a risk of faith, sometimes it goes a particular way we didn't think it would go. Question is then, are we rocked? Here's how you know if you're rocked. You are rocked if Bible time gets shoved away, prayer time becomes minimal at best, and doubt has caused paralyzation. That's how you know you're getting rocked. You could kind of fool yourself. Well, I still, you know, I made it to church, and I'm still, I, you know, I, you can come up with all this stuff. There's excuses. We're good at that. But that's the thing, right? So when we take a risk of faith and we step out, is it tough to shake the unshaken? The Bible calls us the unshaken. So it says in Psalms, The righteous shall not be moved. The righteous shall not be moved. Shall not be shaken. With the sickness, 
with an illness, with a difficulty, with a trial, with a situation. It might affect, right? Yeah, there's a time to like, some things are rough and difficult. And there's a time like, suck that in and kind of just take in what's going on, you know, and kind of reel a little bit. At some point, man, I'm standing on the rock. My relationship with Christ is so much bigger than this situation that is happening. And whether he comes through in a supernatural way in the circumstance or doesn't, I'm following. I'm sold out. God, what do you want me to do? God, I just prayed for so-and-so and absolutely nothing happened. I'm praying for myself as nothing's happening. But you know what? I see a coworker right there. I feel like you're putting on my heart to pray for them. I'm going to go pray for them. Right? You know you're rocked if you're not going to take a move in that situation. We don't want to be there, right? It's so easy to be there. It's so natural to be there. So here's the million-dollar question. How do we make our faith grow? Because that's at the crutch of this thing, right? How do we increase the faith level? That's a big-time question, right? It's important. Because then that will cause us to live by our feelings and our senses less. So let's take a look. I think that's in your bulletin, right? So how do we grow our faith? How do we grow our faith? And let me say this. The way I phrased that question um, couldn't imply something I don't want it to imply. How do we grow our faith? I don't want to imply that we are the ones that like grow it and it's solely responsible and it's like proportional to how much effort we put in. That's not how faith grows. It's not like, uh, uh, I, don't know, I don't have an example, but it's not like that. It's not proportional to how much effort you put in. It's, it's not like works-based. There's a grace that covers the obedience that follows. So in other words, we could be obedient and he's going to come a lot larger and do more than we thought or imagined. And that's typically when we get blown away. Because we know what we've done, and we know the things that have happened, and we're like, wow, I can't believe that just happened. So let's see. How do we grow our faith? Not really. How do we allow the Spirit in us to flourish and give us eyes to see? How do we allow the Spirit in us to grow our faith and our ability to believe God? How do we allow the Spirit in us to increase the trust level into God. That's really the better way to phrase the question. Does that make sense? Because I don't want to paint the picture of faith just depending upon myself, and I can make it grow and make it die, which we can play a part, but it's not solely on us. Not solely on us. Thank God for that. That puts a lot of pressure on. It's kind of overwhelming, don't you think? Because then, man, you better be a perfect Christian for faith to really come through. (sighs) He didn't die for that, right? Died to empower us with grace to cover our lives, to tell others, like, man, look what he can do. Look what he does. All I had was five loaves and two fish, and he fed 5,000. Look what he does. I can't even, like, do this stuff, you know, talk with someone so naturally. And it's just like, it's amazing. So let's see. How does God increase the faith level in our lives? You could probably come up with more than this, but these are just the ones I got put on my heart. He increases the faith level in our lives, 
And I got a Bible verse for each of these because I was like, man, I don't want my opinion. I want to know what the Bible says. Isn't that true? What does the Bible actually say? God's telling us how to increase our faith. What does he say? How do we grow our faith? By recognizing that the object of the faith is more important than the quantity of the faith. By recognizing that the object of our faith is more important than the quantity of our faith. Here's why I'm saying this. Luke 17. Luke 17, verse 5. Here we go. The apostles... Yeah, so you can write that verse down. Look now, look later. It's up to you. The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. Boom! There's like, there's our thing, right? That's like our response. Increase our faith, Lord. I hope that's like part of our prayers, you know, when we pray. God, just increase my faith. I want to believe you for more. I don't want just situations and circumstances to determine how much I'll believe. I want to believe all that you have for me. It's got to be in our prayer lives. If it's not, we've got to reevaluate some things. Paul said to the Lord, increase our faith. He replied, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. See, the idea is not in the quantity of how much faith you have. It's in exactly who it is. Faith as small as a mustard seed. Here's the hilarious thing about this morning. So I guess, I didn't know about any of this. So, uh, so Keith this morning um, kind of led everybody in prayer, right? Early this morning. And he gave out, right? So he sees me on the stairs this morning. He goes, hey, uh, he walks up to me. And I, I honestly didn't know what the deal was. So, um, but I garden, and I like to do gardening. He's got a great garden. You want gardening tips, talk to him. Um, but, um, so he hands me this thing, and I'm like, oh, it looks like lettuce, you know, whatever. It's like, oh, cool, he's giving me some seeds, you know, for the garden. He's like, no, they're mustard seeds. And I'm like, like mustard seeds? He's like, yeah, I brought them. He's like, I gave them to everybody in the prayer thing. I was like, you serious? I was like, man, that's right in the message today, man. Like, it just goes. I didn't plan on bringing mustard seeds in today. These things are tiny, man. Like, there's just, look at this. Right? Look how much faith you have to have. Look at this. Look at this. I mean, look at that. My fingers are bigger than this little stinking thing, right? Like, you have snots bigger than this. Like, there's just, like, that's like, Right? There's just nothing there, right? Now, I understand also that, like, Jesus is, Jesus is saying this. As small, Jesus is saying as small as a mustard seed, so it's like, I don't know, it's kind of like my kids in class, and they ask, you know, is this going to be a hard test or a hard quiz? I'm like, I don't know. It seems, scared from 1 to 10. It doesn't seem too bad. Maybe like a 7. Well, you're a math teacher, so how, how would you, you know? Why are you asking me that, you know? So, like, the response I give them, they filter through the fact that I'm the math teacher, right? So Jesus, you know, he says, small is, I don't know what's small in Jesus' world. I don't know, but um, I, I'm assuming it's probably something we can understand. Um, and if he's saying small is a mustard seed, man, that's not real large, right? We just got to believe in the one who actually grows these things. We just put them out there. We just put them out there. And is it guaranteed that every single one of these seeds is going to grow and flourish and be amazing? No. Some just won't make it. Some will be like, you know, neighborhood cat will dig it up. You know, like some weeds will like kill some other ones. Some other ones, the roots won't grow real deep. 
We just got to believe in faith, man. Hopefully our faith seeds are scattered everywhere. And Father, like you do it. You do the work. I, I'm just the one that's, man, I'm just coming to do what you've called me to do. I'm not even getting my security and self-worth from that. I'm just being obedient to you. It's not going to be a hit to me if nothing even happens. I'm just doing what you said to be obedient. Right? It's got to be our heart, guys. It's got to be our heart. Because if we start sensing also our identity and like who we are based on how people respond from the seeds that we sow out there, that becomes an idol real quick, real fast. Well, how did, did they like it? Did they not? Is that okay? Like, again, no bueno. I don't know where that's coming from, but <laughs> can't do that. You can't do it. So, the object, right, who grows that seed is much more important than a quantity. I'm so glad he brought them. I didn't even think of bringing them. It's awesome. Here's another way faith grows. Romans 10, 17. You can turn there if you'd like. I'm definitely going to read it. So that's to the right of where we are if you're trying to go there. Romans 10, 17. Here we go. It says, Consequently... And some other versions say it better than NIV. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. Consequently, the message, the faith comes from the hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. So faith is increased when we hear it, and we hear it when Christ is proclaimed. So if we're not around his word and we're not like listening to it, or we don't have time for it, or we have a gazillion other reasons of why not to include it in our lives, faith level is going to be real small, real stagnant, real dull. Not much happening. Just the way it's going to be. Because the reality of who he is and what he says is not in our hearts and minds. So then we're just left with our own usual, normal thinking, patterns, behaviors, experiences, and circumstances. We're called to more than that. We're called to more than that. He's given us his word for a reason. So hopefully the word will take root in us and will grow. It's got to take root in us. So number one, right? we increase our faith to the object being more important than the quantity for number two, through hearing, through hearing the word. That was Romans 10, 17. And the last one, this is everybody's favorite. I'll just tell you right now. Everyone's going to love this one. How do we increase our faith? How do we let the Lord do that? Last one, through tests and trials. Can I get an Amen. Yeah. Let's check it out. We're going to go to Psalm 11, verse 5. And the NIV, again, doesn't do a great job of this. Other versions are better. Psalm 11, verse 5. The Lord, in other versions, 
says tests, but in NIV it says examines. It says the Lord examines the righteous. The Lord examines the righteous. In other version says the Lord tests the righteous. He tests the righteous. Well, why is he doing that? Why would he test us? Is he just, is he just trying to set us up to fail? Because that's who he is. Man, if anybody has spent any time with God at any time in his word, they know that is not the deal. He's doing everything he possibly can to make sure we are with him forever. He's doing everything he possibly can to bless us and encourage us and hold us up. I mean, he did the best thing in the world by never having any sins in our lives ever count against us. So what's the deal then? Why would he test us? If he's not trying to see us fail, why does he test us? 1 Peter 1.7. I'll just read it to you because then you've got to flip all the way to the right again. These have come, trials and tests. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes, the gold, perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise Glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Why is he sending them our way? Because it's the most valuable thing that we have in our lives. That's the way he sees it. I don't know if a lot of people right would agree with that. He says, of greater value than gold. That's the way God sees faith. So he will send tests and trials our way and allow them to come our way because it's going to reveal real quick where we're at. Real fast. Is panic going to set in? Is anxiety just going to take over? Is worry just going to let loose? Am I going to hold on real tight to the situation and try and control it in some way? Some way I think that I'm controlling it. That's the catch on that one, right? That's like the grounds right there. We can fully see, is it my will be done or your will be done? That's when the tests and trials are coming right there. So it's like in those moments where we have faith, where we believe, God, I believe that you're good. I know that you are. I don't understand what's happening right now. And honestly, if I was a good, perfect father, I don't think I'd be doing this right now. So I got feelings of confusion. But Lord, I trust you. I want you to have your way, even if it costs me a lot. Right? That's where we got to be. That's where real faith is. So those tests and trials then turn into something different. Then they look like this. Because pre- previous, they'll look like this. Oh, my God! God, what are we doing? How do I understand? And we are just like wrecked. And then some, some really scary stuff can happen. Then we could even get... Now, let me just preface all this by saying, it is important to be compassionate with other people, to empathize with them, and to come alongside. Okay? Make sure that you know that's what I'm saying. At some point, I don't know when that point is, but at some point... Right, the truth 
has to come in there and we can't be saying forever to somebody else, oh my God, if I was in your position, that is just, I don't know what I would do. That is so tough. I don't know why you're dealing with that. Man, it's just been forever. I don't know how you do it. Listen, that's fine for like a little while. Just come alongside. Like you're understanding. You feel their pain. You feel their heart. But man, we cannot stay there. Because then it gets, it gets twisted. Because then other Christians come along and are like, man, I'll just pray for that. I don't, I'll keep you in prayer. I don't, yeah. And then they come together and it's just like, oh God, I hope you can help us. Please do something. But then, it's like you have a circle of people that are all wounded and hurt, and it's real. But then they're all like licking each other's wounds. Just, that's gross. (laughs) That's gross, right? But we do that stuff. And then we say like it's okay under Christianity because like we've involved prayer and we talked about God. It's not okay. Maybe for a period of time, for a little while, to help deal with that and understand that. And get the situation and get the hearts united together and be like, it's a place of, like, Jesus wept. He rose Lazarus from the dead. He knew he was going to rise from the dead, and he still weep with them. His heart was with them. But at some point, it's got to change and be like, okay, this thing is rough. We've been in this for a little while now. God, I thank you that we're together in this. I thank you that you're bigger than this situation. Glory is going to come to you out of this, and I don't want to miss it. Father, you're bigger than this. Your ways are higher than my ways. Your thoughts are bigger than my thoughts. I'm not even going to try and play God right now. I'll probably have to eat some humble pie for a while. But Father, for your glory, let's do it. It changes, right? That should be quick. We should be like trigger, trigger happy with that. Those prayers should come quick for us. And if they don't, we just got to repent. I just got to be like, Lord, I'm not there. My heart needs to change. I too easily go another way first before I get there. Or for some people, I never get there. He's just trying to develop develop us into the destiny of who we are called to be in him anyways. Who we are in him just does not get shaken. And trials and temptations are seen as, man, opportunities and gold mines for the kingdom. We're called to get there. We're at different places, but we're called to get there. Because the faith, man, he has a really high opinion of this. It's worth greater worth than gold. And he wants to make sure that the faith is genuine. How will you know it's genuine? That it may result in praise, glory, and honor. So when the tests and trials come, is praise, glory, and honor something that's like coming out of that. So what Jesus said to that man right there, now as we go back, right, we'll take a look at it. Unless you people see miraculous signs and wonders, you never believe. Lord, tell you what, I want to see miraculous signs and wonders. I believe that you do want to do them. But man, I hope my faith does not just rest in that. And you know what's really a really good prayer for that? Lord, when you bring miracles and signs in and around my life, 
Father, make me able to handle it so that when they're not there, I'm not freaking out. I'm doubting how good you are and how much you love me. Because you do two things there. One, you believe for what he's already going to do in your life because he's going to work through you in that way. I don't know how many of you guys buy into that, but it's the truth. Sometimes his word will be confirmed in your life through miraculous things. It's just going to happen. It's just the nature of the Christian life. So it says in Mark 16, and these signs will follow those that believe, not those that are pastors, those that are missionaries, those that have been perfect, those that have that really good week, those that believe, just believe, these signs will follow. What kind of signs? They'll be to pray for sick people, they'll be made well. They'll be to handle snakes and serpents and then it won't harm them. Right? All these things. So hopefully we can get to that place. Right? That's what we're called to be. And it's worth everything to go after it. It's worth everything to go after it. Man, when the faith level is just riding high, worry and anxiousness is it's not really much of the picture. You don't have a lot to worry about. Let's pray together. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Father, that you're going to bring signs and wonders and unexplainable things into our lives, Lord, that'll just flow through us, Lord, as we follow you. I just thank you that you're going to do that. And Father, I pray, Lord, that you would increase the faith level in each one of us, Lord. Honestly, this Christian faith, our relationship with you, Lord, many times it borders on fantasy. It really does. It's unbelievable. It's amazing. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would just sink and build our roots deep, Lord. May you do it in our personal lives, and I pray that you would do that in this church, Lord, that our roots in you would be solid. And when those tests and trials come and difficulties come and those storms come, that we'd be able to remain solid, unshakable, Lord. And it's a difficult time period, Lord, to have those roots get down deep and grow and get solid. And a lot of times we don't even see really much going on. But you're doing a work, Father. And I thank you for the roots that you're building in this church. And I thank you for the roots, Lord, that you're doing in each heart in here, Lord. Father, I just pray that we would be a people, Lord, that would welcome that process, Lord, and that would really want that process in our lives. It's not going to feel good a lot of times. It's going to humble us a whole bunch. Father, I pray we don't get self-righteous, Lord, and get weird about stuff. Father, Lord, I just, I pray that you'd give us better understanding on how to pray for people. And I pray, Father, that our love and our relationship with you, Lord, would continue to grow. Because even if we feel like a prayer hasn't been heard or hasn't been answered, that it won't stop us from being in a relationship with you. So, Father, I just, uh, 
I just thank you, God, for what you're going to do through us. I thank you for the things you already have been doing, Lord. It's just awesome to see. And I thank you that you sent your Holy Spirit to empower us to get these things done, Lord, to open our eyes and speak to our hearts. God, may we continue to just be in relationship with you, Lord. Love on people around us, God. Put your word in our hearts, Lord. Have it in our homes. And I pray that we would embody it in our lives. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So um, we got some food downstairs. If you want some prayer for anything...